Hello and welcome to a Thursday, May 11th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and I've got my guy Kenny here as we break down a bunch of closeout games that are going to be happening in the playoffs here. The second round starting to come to its conclusion as we are seeing a potential scenario in which a Boston's taking on Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a chance to close out at home, while Denver is going to have to go into Phoenix and see if they can go ahead and close out on here. But Kenny, you know, glad to have you on here. I know it's been, uh, I wasn't able to do it last week because we were, or at least I was sick. I don't, I don't know how things have been going on you, but uh, yeah, last week and a half, how are things on your side? Um, man, uh, pretty well. Um, actually, um, didn't have any sickness, but I'm kind of sad that Euro is coming to a close since um, I had a huge day going up 45 units on it today. Um, on the prop sides with basketball, not so good. Um, I was expecting um, the Knicks to be eliminated by now, and I was expecting a better um, field goal percentages from um, the Warriors in this um, elimination game. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, I was also hoping for Miami to close it out, and I was hoping for the Lakers to either close it out or what I had uh, hedged it on was with uh, them losing by seven or less. But neither of that clearly worked out for me. It's a far cry from all the great stuff I was able to pull out in the last uh, Philly-Boston game where I was very heavy on Philly going ahead and pulling out that three uh, that three two lead, which they were able to, but that's that's just how it goes. But another day, another opportunity, and that's exactly what we have here with two games on the slate. And a lot to really think about as far as uh, where the value is going to go, because the price tags have shifted around a little bit from uh, from where they were last game. You know, some of the studs are getting slightly more expensive, but some of these mid-tier guys have actually moved down a couple hundred dollars. So we could actually see you know, a couple combinations that may actually end up working out here. But jumping right into the first game, which is Boston going into Philly to take on the Sixers. We're looking at a 212.5 game total for this one, so definitely the lower one out of the two that we've got here with the Celtics actually favored to take this one on the road and push it to a game seven by two and a half points as far as Vegas is concerned. So still a close, close spread, uh, not as much as what we were seeing last time around, which was like eight points. Boston is favorites at home there. But and what do you think about that? You think Boston's going to pull it off to game seven? And uh, who are you looking at as far as the game's concerned? Um, you know, just just going off of the body language of the last game, it really don't seem like they're gonna um, hang around for a game seven. Um, but if you think about it, out of the two body language from the games yesterday, they probably had the more positive one compared to um, what was going on with Phoenix. So <laughs> I, I might actually agree with that. I, I do see Boston being favored after I talked myself into it, and I feel like. The reason they are favored is you're going to get a big game from either Brogdon or White. And I think Missoula is actually going to limit the smart minutes. Um, So thinking that we're going to see a higher usage out of um, Brogdon and more lineups with Brogdon, White, Tatum, Brown, and then possibly um, Hauser in there just to add a little bit extra shooting if um, Al Harford ain't getting it done for him. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, Derek White has definitely been a tale of two series there. We saw him getting up anywhere between 14 to 15 shots a game in that Atlanta series there, and he's just kind of completely dropped off as far as usage is concerned. So a lot to uh, a lot to hope. I'm actually 
been on Derek White for a couple of these games, which unfortunately hasn't fully worked out for me, but I feel like I'm just kind of riding or dying with that as well, with his price tag all the way down to 4,900, as, uh, as you were pointing out as well. So lots to lots to potentially like over there. Both him and Brogdon are kind of in that uh, mid-tier where I am looking. Uh, that being said, I, I don't know how many uh, minutes of Smart they're going to end up actually limiting. They just need him to be able to be on Harden at all. Maybe his usage itself goes down. Perhaps he just ends up taking less shots as a result. But uh, he hasn't had a game yet where he's played you know, less than uh, 34 minutes in a game that isn't an absolute blowout, which, you know, the second uh, game two was, so not really counting on that one. But we'll see what uh, what that ends up looking like. But I'm definitely in on both of those. Uh, I know both Tatum and Brown are in price tags, where they're probably pretty good as far as cash is concerned. Uh, Tatum probably one I like more between the two. Obviously has had an excellent series all the way around, except for the one game there, and really hasn't let you down as far as cash is concerned. You can pretty much bank on him getting somewhere close to uh, 5 to 5.5x pretty regularly on this. So really just comes down to how you're kind of treating uh, treating your teams on there. But, you know, I'll probably have a little bit of exposure to him. But, um, you know, no, uh, no secret here that I do expect Philly to go ahead and close out this game. I'll probably put a little bit on that money line as well because I'm liking it being at about 2 point whatever, 2.4, 2.3 actually prior to the game. So we'll see what that looks like. But on the Philly side here, Harden's price tag down to 8,700. Uh, he was 8,800 the last game. I was happy to take him at that one, put 47 up in that game as well, and really hasn't had, from a DFS standpoint, a really bad game other than the game two one, because even the one where technically, you know, shot three or 14 in game three, still found a way to get himself up to 42 DK points. So he just has, to me, probably the most upside of those guys sitting in that uh, 8,000 range. Uh, we're going to be talking about you know some other ones in the Denver Phoenix side as well, Jamal Murray, for example. But I do still like taking Harden. I expect that he's going to continue to play at the level that he has. And even if he's not necessarily getting the 40-point uh, outbursts, he's just getting more than enough uh, ancillary stats to be able to get him up and running as far as his uh, price tax is concerned and give you that you know anywhere between 5.5 to, if not, 6x upside. Yeah, um, I I do like to call on Harden, and if you expect him to actually have a nice little game, um, I might actually pair him with a cheapie with um, Daniel House. Um, for some odd reason, I really don't know why Doc Rivers was all like, you know, this is a game to give um, <laughs> House uh, Paul Reed's minutes or um, the Yang's minutes, but it actually worked, and mm-hmm. I really do feel like that little athleticism he brings to the team, especially in that little mm-hmm. second unit, um, was supposed to be filled by um, Jaden McDaniels, but it never really did um, play out that way. So I feel like he's going to stick with him, at least for this game. And I don't know about this net series against Miami, but I feel like in this game, if you really think Philly got it, I would actually have a lot of interest in him for 3-3. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I would also plug in either Matt Sear Harris, whichever um, secondary player you feel like is going to have the hot hand. Um, I'm probably going to lean towards Matt He's been a little bit more consistent in this series compared to Harris. And Matt is also a little less um, vulnerable to fell trouble. So for 6-3, I feel like that's a nice little play for both cash and GPPs. And of course, House is just a GPP play only. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, you, you could think maybe Doc Rivers just saw what Lonnie Walker had done the night before and be like, yeah, let's see who I can go ahead and throw out there to put a little bit of wrench in the plans there. And of course, 
Daniel House, Harden, longtime teammates in Houston as well. So you know, clearly had a bit of chemistry going there. Harden set him up for a couple of really nice plays. And you know, to House's credit, he had a couple of tough finishes at the rim as well. So, yeah, we'll have to see what uh, he's able to kind of bring up there. But at uh, 3,300, not too much to dislike from that perspective. He couldn't, uh, shouldn't really uh, do you too wrong if he can get himself somewhere close to that you know, 20-minute mark as far as, uh, as far as Philly themselves is concerned. But moving on to the second and final game, the evening game of the night with Denver going into Phoenix, taking on the Suns, a 226-and-a-half game total for this one. And the Phoenix Suns favored to win by three at home to try and extend the series that little bit further, try and take it all the way to game seven. But uh, yeah, you were speaking about body language earlier, and Denver just absolutely pummeled the Phoenix Suns at home there. And we'll be feeling like... In those two games that they had in Phoenix, at least one of them, they absolutely shot themselves in the foot. As far as I'm concerned, this series should be over at this point, but it's not. And Denver's going to have to uh, find a way to go ahead and close it out. You know, no major uh, injury concerns outside of DeAndre Ayton being listed as questionable with a rib contusion. So we'll see if he's able to make it. But uh, what are you making of this game? And uh, you think Denver's closing it out here? Um, yeah. Um, like I said, body language was horrible in this game. And it's felt like they actually just want to go to Cancun. So when it comes to it, you know that um, both Booker and Durant will actually give you somewhat of a nice little floor of at least 35 DraftKings points to something about 75. So I will have interest in the two stars, but outside of that, I only really see myself having a little bit of interest in um, Landel and possibly Terrence Ross. Um, outside of that, it, it's been a fun series uh but it's kind of time to say bye to phoenix <laughs> yeah it's time to uh move on into the sunset as far as phoenix is concerned but yeah denver has been pretty excellent throughout the series i, I, was, I mean obviously Jokic has been absolutely incredible and if we're talking about who's going to have the highest raw dk points not going to look much farther than Jokic over here Eleven thousand five hundred is definitely not cheap and you're going to have to likely find yourself taking a number of these uh, cheaper options to be able to go ahead and fit him in. But I'll probably find myself uh, having him as my center and probably like getting some of, like I said, either Jock Landale or uh, maybe even on the, uh, on the Philly side, if we're going to be looking at uh, you know, potentially a Daniel House getting a little bit of minutes on there, we have to see what kind of uh, ends up playing out there, but you're going to need that if you're going to get Jokic in, just given the slate on as it's going and, for him not to have had a game in this series so far below uh, 55, and even that was just game one. But since then, he hasn't had a single game below what he did in the last one, which is still 72 DK points. So obviously going to be highly owned, obviously going to be highly sought after, and has done everything to uh, deserve that. So definitely a big part of what uh, my play is going to be. I was hoping Bruce Brown's price wouldn't go up too much because I have been pretty, uh, pretty consistently taking him, but we saw him get... Not only 27 minutes in the last game, but his shot attempts went up to 11. He was able to hit 7 of 11, and it really just uh, allowed him to get a, a pretty solid night as far as uh, fantasy was concerned. Ended up on 35 DK points there. I do expect that he's going to continue to be super important to uh, what uh, they're looking to do at this point. The fact that he can play those three or four different positions that they put him in. And uh, despite him coming off the bench, he still was able to uh, go ahead and rack up the uh, important minutes, especially down, down the stretch there. So... Really, it kind of depends on how close Phoenix is keeping it. Obviously, at home, 
Vegas is obviously favoring him to be able to do something here. I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, in <laughs> compliance with what they think there, but I do like Bruce Brown for his price tag. And between MPJ and Aaron Gordon, if there's uh, one thing that I've found kind of over the season of watching is that Michael Porter Jr. just likes to play away from home. Yes, he had a pretty solid game last time around, but by and large, if you've looked at his uh, you know, superior performances uh, throughout the playoffs and even in the regular season, most of them came away. Maybe he just feels more comfortable, he gets more shot attempts or, or whatever it is, but he's able to get himself going in the first quarter and then it just kind of uh, it goes into the rest of the performance there. So if we're talking about a guy who has the upside to be able to drop you know, high 30s, low 40s as far as DK points are concerned while still sitting at uh, kind of a low 6,000 price tag, I like him more than I like uh, Aaron Gordon and I'll probably have a good amount of exposure that way as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, other way around with the Gordon and Porter, um, especially since Gordon been getting the backup center minutes. I feel like as long as he stay out of foul trouble, he should be in a nice little spot and he should be able to get to the line um, during this little small ball time um, against Phoenix, especially if they run it out Lando uh, with Porter, you really are just relying on the shot. If you already have a team with a lead going in, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a couple times where the lead's going to be 20 plus for um, <laughs> Denver. <laughs> if it wasn't uh, Porter getting you hot to begin with, and it was more so of a Murray Jokic show, um, I could see Porter having a floor of about 15 DraftKings points that night. Um, but outside of that, I might have a little interest in Kristen uh, Braun. feel like that's going to be a little 20-minute spot for him. Typically, don't give you the little fantasy production, but like I said, you need to get a little bit cheaper in order to get some of these stars in, especially when, you know, you got somebody like Jokic taking up 25% of your salary cap. Um, outside of that, I might have a little bit of interest in Jeff Green, but I really don't think they're going to play on more than 15 minutes this guy. That's fair. And we're looking at the uh, the Phoenix side over there. I mean, as much as uh, Devin Booker has been excellent uh, throughout the series, this is probably one spot where I may actually end up having less of him than I have for the last couple of games, just one, given the fact that uh, um, kind of game scripting over here, trying to see what uh, what Denver's going to end up doing as far as this game's concerned. Obviously, if it's if it's going to stay close, it's going to be because Devin Booker ends up going off to uh, try and keep them going there. From a personal standpoint, has had pretty incredible playoffs by and large, just uh, how well he's been scoring throughout and how efficient he's been on that. But if I'm looking at uh, getting a little exposure, I'm looking at that kind of 3,000 mark over here. I have been taking Landry Sham for the last... Uh, Last couple of games, more even before he had that uh, 21 point, you just want to call it explosion, but 21 DK point one where he went off in the fourth quarter to keep uh, keep Phoenix alive in that game over there. He's just been consistently finding himself into that kind of 25 to 28 minute role. They're playing him a lot in that uh, third to fourth quarter area now that Chris Paul is there uh, to, or not now that Chris Paul is not there to be able to try and. Uh, kind of get a little bit more spacing on what has been a pretty clogged up offense for uh, uh, for Phoenix up until now. It's really just a lot of Devin Booker and Durant uh, taking tough shots and everyone else kind of standing around. So for uh, a Landry Shamit to get the opportunity to be able to get kind of five, five six three-pointer attempts in that game, if you can get even a couple of those shots going, that price tag is pretty good. And I actually do expect that uh, TJ Warren's minutes are going to uh, continue to uh, be ramped up a little bit more here. Uh, we saw in the last game, 
even though he's playing 15 minutes, was able to put up seven shots in that one. He did play slightly more minutes earlier on in the, uh, the season there, and they had a couple of lineups, especially if DeAndre Ayton is not going to be on the floor, where they went smaller and they actually ended up having TJ Warren kind of play the combo 3-4 alongside Kevin Durant. So, you know, he's he's looking healthy. It's not, I don't think that itself is the concern. It's just more of, uh, of him kind of getting the groove under him. We've seen if he can get even somewhat uh, going as far as his offense is concerned. He has a pretty good uh, a pretty good ceiling to be able to hit but yeah it just kind of ends up depending on what it is and it's kind of between him and Daniel House of where I'm feeling more frisky and I might end up uh, taking a little bit of TJ Warren because I expect he's not going to be very highly owned <laughs> yeah nothing wrong with that um another player you could kind of throw into the little um 3k myths is also um Damian Lee um like like I said, I really do feel like Phoenix is going to be looking for just about everything since um, they will be trailing. And I guess giving um, Damian Lee a couple, you know, 10, 15 minute spot or to get up six, seven shots. Um, you never know. Might be able to get yourself 10, 15 DraftKings points for um, that 3000 price tag. Yeah, absolutely. I said, so in the end, we're looking at Quite a few uh, dart throws as far as value is concerned, but really it's because the stars have just been so prevalent throughout both these series over here that really it's about trying to fit them in as much as possible. You've seen what Jokic has been doing. Embiid finally got himself the kind of game that uh, we've really been expecting as far as you know, an MVP is concerned, but he's uh, he's also still kind of dealing with that, uh, that knee as well. So really just comes down to, for me, me spending... Uh, my focus on Harden as far as the Philly side is concerned um, and trying to get uh, both him and Jokic in and, and basically fit in with uh, some of these other kind of value plays to fit alongside that. But that does bring us to the end of uh, what is a short two-game slate here and uh, looking right into the Thrive Fantasy side of things to see what props are looking like. Uh, there's a couple of them that kind of jumped over my way and I've got uh, three at this point, but I'll be a gentleman here. I'll let you go ahead, Kenny, and start with uh, what you're liking as far as the Thrive side is concerned. Um, um, the first one that just kind of seemed just beyond too low was um, Harden at 6.5 assists. Definitely going to be taking the over on that. Um, I w- want to say that he eclipsed that every game this series. I don't know about the game two, but I'm pretty sure every single game is outside of game two. He got close to nine, ten assists. Mm. Uh, so that's the first one I'm going to be taking. Yeah, absolutely fair. Uh, I think it's uh, in game one he had six assists and then you know, four in the second one. Then after that he's been pretty much at uh, at nine or above. So you know, definitely trending the right way as far as that's concerned. Uh, I'm going to stick with the assist side as well, but I'm going to jump uh, onto the Denver side where Jamal Murray at 5.5 assists, the over on that one to be able to get 100 points there. Uh, one, he's been uh, definitely more of a assister as far as uh, home games are concerned, even in this series itself, is averaging kind of closer to seven assists a game in the uh, in the home games of this series, and hasn't had a game outside of one where he had uh, five exactly. So, you know, it's been a pretty uh, solid series for him for as far as diving is concerned. As long as Jokic continues to be as aggressive as he has been in the last couple of games, I expect that he'll uh, be able to contribute to a few of those Jamal Murray assists, and I feel pretty good about him getting six and above for that hundred there. Yeah, uh, second one I got is also on the Denver side. It's um, Bruce Brown over 5.5 rebounds and assists. And like I said, I really do expect this game to be somewhat of a blowout. Brown is essentially the 
backup point guard for the team when both Jokic and Murray is off the floor. So I really do see him going over this number if you get an extended run, especially when he's going to be a primary ball handler in the lineup. Yeah, I, I had that uh, same over there as well, so right there with you. Uh, the other one, and this is an under that I'm looking at, this is more going towards uh, Jalen Brown on uh, the Celtics side here where I expect that he'll be under 34.5 PRA to be 95 points over there. Uh, One, kind of throughout the series, we've already seen Jalen has had a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation altogether. He starts off hot and then just absolutely peters off, has been pretty much sitting in that kind of 23 to 25 points range while his his ancillary stats have kind of fluctuated. So it's been been close as far as uh, him being able to get to kind of 34, 35 on a semi-regular basis, but... Just seeing how this has kind of been going up until now and seeing what I expect this game to go, I, I don't think he's going to go really past 30 as far as the PRA is concerned. So for him to be under 34 and a half, I'm going to feel pretty confident about taking him at uh, 95 points there. Right. And the last one I got is one of our um, questionable players on the slate, and that's going to be under 8.5 total rebounds for Aiden. Mm. Um, even if he does play, I do feel like he'll be limited, uh, not just due to injury, but for other reasons as well. And um, it, it it just seems like he already checked out the series. And I, I really don't see him returning to the Suns um, come <laughs> October this year. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rocky road as far as this series is concerned. In fact, this entire playoff run has been a bit uh, off as far as DeAndre Ayton's concerned, not looking engaged to the same level as well so yeah definitely one that i'm looking at well the last one i have here and it's going to be another under uh, this one is going to be for al horford to be under uh, two and a half uh, blocks here now he's had a couple of uh, pretty decent games as far as uh, stocks are concerned obviously the big one was uh, was game four where he was able to rack up seven blocks of this uh, blocks and steals over there but when we start to see uh Embiid put him into you know, situations where he's kind of further and further away from the basket. The mid-range game was really starting to come out, and he was by far the primary defender on there. So less of an opportunity for him to be able to get too many blocks on that side over there. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, he'll be under two and a half for this game, 105 points there. All right. Well, that uh, that's, does it for me, and I think that does it for us over here. As always, you can catch me on Twitter, on Instagram, at HRK underscore Dell, where you can talk to me about what your playoffs have been looking like so far. How has your uh, strategy been as far as the stars are concerned? I see we're getting closer and closer to conference finals here, where now we're going to start to get showdown slates, having to pick MVPs and all of that. So, you know, these traditional slates are going to start to kind of peter away for the uh, for the rest of the year. So definitely would love to hear how your entire year has gone and uh, just keep engaging with me. And Kenny, where can the good people find you as always? Yeah, and um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at OrangeDFS. I'm always talking about all levels of basketball. We got the EuroLeague Final Four coming up next week. Um, next week, we also got to start the WNBA season, so I'm already locked into that. And I'm always good to just talk about uh, playoffs and potential offseason moves in the NBA as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there never really is a offseason with all this stuff. There's always something going on there. So definitely keep engaged with that and keep yourself engaged on sportsethos.com. Get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass where you can keep yourself up to date with not only, obviously, everything that's happening in the NBA world. You have MLB. You have uh, you know, tons of other sports in which you have the pros working day and night 
to be able to get you the best picks, the best props, and uh, just the best content to be able to get you up and give you that edge that you need. So make sure to get yourself onto that. But good luck with uh, this slate over here, this Thursday two-game potential closeout night. And let's go ahead and take down some of these GPPs.